And you see, the devil works on our minds. He, he gets us all going. You know that, that your mind must be uh, filled with an idea. And, and yet, you see, the whole of Christianity is a love relationship with a loving Heavenly Father and His loving Saviour who sent Him to save you from your sin, save you from yourself, save you from your bondage, and give you victory in all your troubles and victory in all your life and cause you to be more than a conqueror but you'll only be more than a conqueror if you have a few fights <coughs> if you have no fights you've nothing to conquer that's why I feel sorry for people that have no troubles because in Revelation it says the overcomers get in but if you've nothing to overcome you'll never be an overcomer will you well, will you? And you see, the only people that are ever going to be in New Jerusalem are overcomers. So you, God, in his love, gives you things to overcome so you can overcome them. Then he can call you an overcomer. He's righteous. That's why you have nice little problems in your life, little hurdles. You know, you've got to run the race. But if you're going nowhere, why run? And so God gives you everything. Now, what I want to do is spend a little while just zeroing your thoughts in to one particular person in the Bible this time and we're going to go through it over a week or two because I want to open your mind up to a few concepts that you might not have thought of and if you have thought of them well that's very good I've only just thought of them and I need to know if you turn with me to Job chapter 1 I want you to look at this man in relationship to Job is, is a book that we... It's the Christian remedy for anyone who's got disaster in their life. And yet, if you really look at it, you'll understand that most of our minds think with the wrong people most of our hearts how many people here feel that if you walk with God and you obey God and you're obedient and you really bring your life under the subjection of Christ all things should go well for you how many have been taught it come on be honest oh you are a lot of humbug well you're liars a lot of you are liars if you don't put your hand up because we're all we're psychologically put that way, aren't we? In our minds, eh? The old devil is being so crafty. Now here, you listen to, to what God says about Job. Now this is God speaking about Job. I just want to tell you God's opinion and then man's opinion. And contrast the two opinions and see that God's opinion of something and man's opinion is totally different. And right throughout scripture you'll always find that God has one opinion and man has another opinion and the two never meet they never cross because the natural man has a totally different concept of things from the spiritual man and what God wants us to do is to give up our natural thinking and go God's way okay in Job and chapter 1 Verse 9. Now here is the subtlety of the serpent. 
Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? In other words, look here. You say Job's an upright man. You say Job's an honest man. Now, says the serpent, all my disciples are my disciples because of the power I give them, because of the authority I give them in the spiritual realm, and because of the riches they can gain. That's why they follow me. And I want to prove to you, God, that only men will follow you when you do the same thing. You give them power, you give them authority, you give them ability, and you give them wealth. Now, if you think about it, there's a few groups around the world who preach that. And that's always the devil's ploy. What he wants to do is to get you to believe that if you serve God, it's beneficial. And then he tells you, when things go wrong, this is God showing you that you're not really right. and Boom for you. And that's God's nature, you see. God will only bless you when you do good and he'll curse you when you don't and he hates you really except when you just do right and you don't do right very often. In fact, most of the time you do wrong and, and calamities come out of judgment and out of chastening. Uh, he forgets the scripture that time and chance happeneth to every man. He forgets the fact that all sorts of things happen in people You've got a body, and your body is just a chemical factory and a mechanical works. You know, it's good mechanisms, but it's only mechanical and it breaks down. Have you ever noticed that, your old body? Hmm? Sometimes the old chemicals bubble and toil and trouble and you get all sorts of things go wrong and there's bacteria frying around in the air and you breathe in and you get you know, streptococci or something up your left ear and you've got something else down your throat and then, then you get in growing toenails and, oh God, what have I done wrong? What is it you're trying to say to me? Well, you should have been careful when you cut your toenails as a kid and you wouldn't have got them in growing. Or whatever it is, you, who knows? You know, people have got such a cockeyed idea. I remember someone coming to me once and, they, you know, they, they, something had gone wrong and they said to me, I wonder what God's trying to say to me. I said, how about not being such a stupid ass? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, God, it's nothing to do with God. We try and make everything that happens in our life some great happening that God's trying to get a message over. I tell people, God speaks to me in plain English. When he wants me to know something's wrong, he'll tell me. He's not going to leave kind of little coded messages all over the place, like Moss Code, and you have to work it out, dot, dash, dot, 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 dash, dash, dot, dot. Uh, this happened, yeah, sole of my shoe fell off, dot, dot, dot. That's it, and dash, dot, dash, toast burnt this morning, and dot, dash, dish, dosh, dash, dosh. Oh, yeah, that was... My wife burnt the roast potatoes and then this happened and then that some, and, and you kind of put it all together and you get your cryptic message out and you can write it on the wall. I forgot my quiet time. <laughs> That's why it all happened. Next morning, you have your quiet time, nothing goes wrong, 
you then become convinced that the reason that the potatoes burnt, the sole fell off your shoe, this happened and that happened is because you forgot your quiet time. So then all of a sudden, any time you miss your quiet time, you've got faith for calamity. You know that you better not ask for roast potatoes that day, that you wear boots instead of shoes, that, you know, and you begin to get a life of fear, don't you? And your whole mind's trapped in the fears, and you don't understand where the fears have come from, and it's a spirit of bondage you've got. Because suddenly the devil's convinced you, see, God got at you there. That was God's chastening hand. Well, as a matter of fact, it wasn't. The phone happened to go just when your wife should have taken the roast potatoes out of the oven. It was some dear sister ringing up telling you how wonderful she found the meeting that morning and your potatoes are burnt to a frazzle and your wife's delighted to have heard that and sorry about your potatoes. The soul fell off because, you know, it got damp and that was the way it was. It came unstuck and, you know, well, you can't keep a soul forever, can you? And, and things happen. But you see, the devil works on us to convince us there's some great mysterious working in the heavenlies that's causing all these disasters. And God's kind of wanting to get this message through to you. So every so often he's got this big computer there and it's called the computer of disasters. And so you get up in the morning and God looks down on you and you didn't do what you should have done, which is clean your teeth right the knob of decay <laughs> you go out and you're late you should have got up ten minutes earlier the key of harassment everything's gonna go wrong today I know if only I'd had my quiet time it wouldn't go wrong then you race into the office and he's going to give you the key of panic. Your boss is coming. Rah! You've got nothing ready and you kind of put it all out there. And a boss walks in and asks you, have you done something that you definitely haven't done and you should have done yesterday? He'd never have found out if only you'd had your quiet time. <laughs> and by the time you go home, God's pressed so many knobs on this computer upstairs that you're kind of going in jerks. And you think, I'm home at last. Let me get up to the bedroom and you fall down by your bed. Oh, God, it's been terrible. <laughs> you know, and your whole life, and you say, well, this is God, you know, I'm worshipping him. Come to, you stagger into the meeting, you know. You've asked him to forgive you, you've asked him to cleanse you, you've asked him to wash you, and then you've asked him to spring clean you, and then you've asked him to deliver you, and you hope it never happens again, and you don't want to get up tomorrow morning anyway, but I'll get to the meeting. And you sit there and think, I hope it's going to be a happy meeting because I, I really need some praise tonight. Uh, you know, what do you sing? Turn back, oh man, for swear thy foolish ways or something. Uh, and you think, oh God, you know, what is it? And your whole life becomes a life of misery. And you, you've, you've got this image that there's a God up there who's trying to get a message through to you, but you're too stupid to understand it anyway. And if you did understand it, you wouldn't do what you should do anyway. 
and, and God's going to grind you and grind you because haven't you read the wheels of God grind slowly and exceeding small and oh God what is it you're saying as you carry your 50 ton weight on your back and I you know I really do love God but oh dear why didn't he give me an easy time now you've laughed but I tell you that's really what goes on in a lot of minds and he's not a bit like that what you haven't perceived is you're in a battlefield and there's a devil who wants to make you believe that's the way God is and he's the one that's got these little smutty faced things called devils and demons and fallen angels and they're going to run about and harass you and they're going to do everything they can to bring your spirit into a bondage of fear and convince you that God's up there as a big austere hard father about to beat the living daylights out of you if you just step half an inch off the boundary whang a thunderbolt comes and it's wonder it didn't split you in two instead it knocked the sole off your shoe and you thank God for that you know you got away with that and you know you think it it really does go on like that in people's minds you know and here's Job and God says you know Job's upright look at it let's go on back hast, verse 10 hast thou not made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land look this Job you've hedged him in you've blessed him you've done and I don't like it says the devil I don't like it I don't like the way you're treating him you've hedged him in so well I can't get at him you've hedged him in so well all his land everything he's got is all hedged in and I can't do anything against him his shoes don't wear out the moths can't even get through his lattice work all his cattle I've tried to give him anthrax I've tried to give him foot and mouth I've tried everything and you've got these edges round God you're not right that's the devil you know he, he's full of love he really this Job this upright man God said hast thou considered my servant Job that man have I considered him now you know the devil had a lot of information about Job did you notice he knew exactly how much God had prospered him hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side now how did the devil know that because I want to tell you there was no side of Job's property or Job's house or Job's possessions the devil hadn't tried to touch and he hadn't been able to touch any of it and he was as mad as a dingbat he was so mad he hadn't been able to do any of his evil against Job and oh that man Job he went out on the earth and he wandered around and he could 
harass, he could hurt, he could wound, he could afflict, he could get men to curse God, he could get men to blame God, but this fellow Job, he didn't stand a chance. He couldn't even get near him. He tried going from the top, going from the bottom, he tried going in at the sides, and in the end he has to come up to heaven and he waits his chance, sitting there amongst the sons of men just waiting. And God says, have you considered my... Yeah, he has. Why have I considered him? Have I considered him? I like him for breakfast. I like to kill that guy and everything he's got. I like to blot out the memory of him from off the face of the earth, says the devil. You know, he's, he's full of graciousness in a devilish way, isn't he? I have considered him. Now, do understand that evil and hatred comes from the devil and then he says to him but put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to your face see God now he says the only reason that Job serves you is because you won't let me at him give me half an hour in a boxing ring with that fellow and I want to tell you he'd curse you to your face Give me half an hour of my machinations on him and I'd fix him till he cursed you. Now you let the things of blessing be touched and this guy, he'll hate you. He's just serving you because you're you and you've blessed him and you've prospered him and you've caused him to live well and you've caused his family to go well and you've caused everything to go right and of course he loves you. He loves you for what he can get out of you. But if you just touched anything, he wouldn't love you, he'd hate you. If you let me get at him, he'd hate you. Because I'd convince him that you were a hard taskmaster, a mean, rotten, cruel, harsh, wounding, afflicting individual. I'd convince him that you were a monster. But at the moment, I can't do that. I can't do that because you've got this hedge all round him. Now he says, you watch it. Let me add him or you put forth your hand and you see he'll curse you to your face. Now the trouble is that the devil's right about one thing. A lot of people when calamity comes answer against God. They blame God. They say it was God's fault. Have you ever heard it come out of Christian's lips? Why did God let that happen? But what they don't understand is we are the battleground where good and evil are fighting. And God has come and the enemy's come. Now the enemy fought, would you believe it? He couldn't get Moses while he was alive, but he tried to steal his body when he was dead. God buried Moses, no one else did. God buried him. And I want to tell you, the devil wanted Moses' body. If I can't have him when he's alive, at least I'll fight over the corpse. That's the devil. You know, he likes dead things. And he thought, you know, I'll do my worst on his dead body. He would have made a tomb for Moses 
and he'd have got everyone going and doing what the Jews do today at David's tomb in Jerusalem. They go and they commit idolatry and they commit blasphemies over people's tombs and graves. You see them all standing on It's anti-God. And God made sure that wasn't going to happen to Moses. There was no way Moses, the one who'd spoken with God face to face and been a friend of God, was going to end up as the major source of idolatry in Israel. He said, I'm not having it. And so he caused Moses' body to vanish and God buried him. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And yet the devil it contended with the archangel Michael over the body. There was one thing he wanted, it was a body of Moses. He could have made such a superstitious rite of that thing if he could have got hold of that body. God stopped it. And so, we see how the machinations of the devil are. And over you, when you really get a true experience of God, the devil's about to do everything he can to convince you that if you walk right, God will bless you, but the moment things go wrong, it's God's chastening hand. And yet, things will happen in your life that have nothing to do with the chastenings of God or the dealings of God, they're just pure and simple happenings. And yet you'll begin to be like the, the necromancers who swill round the tea leaves in the cup and turn it upside down and then look to try and tell what's going on. Or like the person who kills a chicken and pours out the entrails and has a look and see what they can see. Usually entrails. But terrible but that's the way we are in our Christian life. We kind of look at the entrails of happenings and try and work out what is it, God? We need to be delivered from it. Okay, in chapter 2, verse 3. This is what God says about Job. Now, open your hearts and listen. You might not like what you hear. But then who said you were to like it? And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him in the earth. There's none like Job in the earth. Now that was God's opinion of Job. But the devil knew that what he had to do was convince Job but that wasn't true. So you'll find he sends along Eliphaz in chapter 4. Verse 18. God says, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. In the earth. Uh, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And yet in chapter 4, verse uh, 18, Eliphaz turns round and says, Behold, God put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. God doesn't trust anyone. God doesn't even trust 
his angels. Now God turned around and said, Job's got integrity. There's no one like him in the earth. Eliphaz, the devil's servant, and the natural thinker says, God trusts no one. He doesn't even trust his angels. You'll find it also in chapter 22. In other words, what the devil's doing is he's saying, look, God's not like he is. He's something else. In chapter 22, Here he goes again, he says, verse 2, Can a man be profitable unto God, as he that is wise may be profitable unto himself? Is, any, is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous, or is it any gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? Do you really think that God cares? Is it any profit to God that you're righteous? And yet there was God in heaven saying to, to the, all the sons of God and also to the serpent himself, he turns around, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered the integrity of his heart? God was glad. God was thrilled with Job. And he said, look at him. He's a shining example of someone who has love in his heart. So... The devil knows that what he's got to do is got to turn the reason and turn Job's thoughts to think that God isn't like he really is. So he sends people along with natural reasoning. How many people have been told, oh, so you think you're righteous? Well, there's none righteous under heaven. Do you think you're so good? You sin, don't you? Everyone sins, don't they? You're no, not righteous. Do you think you're holier than thou, do you? You think you're great, do you? Yeah. Have you heard people say that? Oh, so you're a Christian. I suppose you never go faster than the speed limit, huh? Huh? If you're a Christian, you know, it's always speeding they get you on. <laughs> you ever noticed that? How many have had people say that to you? Put up your hands, see? There you are, you see. Now, you know the reason is those kind of people, they're, they're, they're so mean and miserable, they can't afford a fast car. <laughs> so their envy says, oh, you speed. The way the devil works. You've got to know his machinations. Now, that's only a precept of man. It's not the law of God. In fact, I want to tell you, God goes quick. And his servants make haste. <laughs> Scripture says so. We have to be very careful. Let's go on and look in... in okay, go on to, to chapter 35. Chapter 35, Elihu, and verse uh, 
If thou be righteous, that's nice of him, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? Uh, chapter 35, verse 7. If thou be righteous, what giveth thou him? What do you do for God? Now here you are, pitted with boils. Here you are, sick, sitting on a mound on a dung heap. Here you are, and hey, if you're righteous, what, what do you give God? You see, if you, what they were saying is, you, you don't please God, nothing you've done please God. That's why you've ended up on a dung heap full of boils. That's why all your family were killed. That's why disaster came on you. Because God hates you. You think you're profitable to God? You think you do honour to God? You do honour to God the way you are? You're kidding. Well, why would God want to bless you? Why would God want to help you? You deserve everything you've got. You're not half as bad as you think you are and you deserve a lot worse. That's the devil. Now, God began by saying, have you considered Job? None as upright as Job. In all the earth, there's no one like my servant Job, upright in all his ways. I'm delighted in him, says God. I'm proud to make my boast in Job. So the devil says, all right. He says, he serves you for all the blessing he can get. God says, I know the integrity of that man's heart. Though you touch all his possessions and though you touch his body, you can't touch his life, but you can touch his body, I'll tell you, you still love me. Now the friends come along and they say to Job, look Job, you think you're righteous, you think you're good, but these things wouldn't happen to a good or a righteous man, but they've happened to you, therefore there's something awfully wrong in your life. There's some great evil in your life that your father did or your grandfather did or your great-grandfather did. That's why you're like you are. And you better face it, Buster. That's the way you're going to be. And what good are you to God anyway? What righteousness is there? Now, God had said one thing, man saying something else. And the devil puts words into people's mouths. And you want to be careful. That critical attitude and that critical voice and that critical way, that's usually the devil speaking using your lips. Oh, you say, but it's what I thought of. No, it's not. It's what the devil thought of and fed into your mind and you begin to speak it out to pull people down and pull things down and to pull their lives down and to make them equal with you. Criticism elevates the individual who criticizes. That's why they were. They wanted to say, Elihu and the others, what they wanted to say is, Job, we's as good as you. God says there's no one like Job the people say, we're better. And that's always the devil's way. He wants to prove, he wants to prove through people that those people are better. He wants to elevate individuals. And the one way of elevating individuals is to pull someone else down. Have you ever noticed it? Hmm? Job, you like that. Now look, God says, Job, in, uh, if you look in chapter 1 again, verse 8, God says, it's interesting to compare what God says about Job and what the four counselors say. Okay, God says, three.
verse 1 and the Lord said unto Satan hast thou considered my servant Job there is none like him in the earth a perfect man an upright man one that feareth God and stewardeth evil and chapter 2 verse 3 hast thou considered my servant Job there is none like him in the earth a perfect and upright man one that feareth God and stewardeth evil and still he holdeth fast his integrity although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause he's upright says God but what do the so called helpers say the people who come to Job to give him advice when disasters hit him you re listen to what they say um, Bildad says in chapter 8 verse 8 Inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to search, to the search of their fathers. In other words, look. It was something your father did or your grandfather did. When you were in the womb, before you were born, fella, this came on you because your great-grandfather did you ever know your great-grandfather had red hair and a purple nose and was a drunkard? That's why you're like this, you know. That's where you got your temper from. Oh, God, I better get delivered from my purple-nosed, red-haired grandfather. But how can I? He's been dead and buried and cremated. Ah, well, what you do is you have to go and you have to confess your grandfather's sin and say, Dear God, my grandfather had red hair and a purple nose and was drunkard. And I just got my temper from him. And people believe that. And do you know something? If you believe all that rubbish, you might end up with red hair and a purple nose. And still have your temper. It's, that's what the chapter Bill Dad says. You know, you've got to look back. Then look what he goes on to say. Awful thing. Verse 20. Look at it, verse 20. Look at the contradiction that he brings. Now you need to look at it in your Bible. Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers. God's not going to cast away a perfect man, Job. Huh. Nor is he going to help the evildoers. You lost everything, Job, full of boils, having a rough time. <laughs> God's not going to cast away a perfect man. In other words, Job, the reason you're where you are is because you sin. But he didn't. There was a battle going on in heaven. And the only reason we know there was a battle going on in heaven and there was a war in heaven is because of the first two chapters of the book of Job. The rest of it only mentions God. It never mentions the devil. But the devil's come along to do a lot of work. 
and a lot of imaginations. In fact, God says, I've given Job into your hand to do so ever what you will, but don't you touch his life. But you can go as far, but you can't take his life. Now, Job didn't realize that what was happening was a fight over the integrity of his life and that it was a fight for his mind. And the three friends that come along that the devil kindly sent to counsel him. I remember when I, I, I was talking to someone recently, my wife and I went through a tough period in our lives. I, I came down to the south of England and I stayed in a certain building. My wife became ill, my two kids got whooping cough. My daughter, I was told Sarah would be a vegetable for the rest of her life. I had to resign my job because I found that the chairman of the company where I was on the board of directors was actually embezzling money and none of the Christians that I, I fellowship with at the time would believe he was an embezzler. They thought I was wrong, not him. Of course, it was found out later he had embezzled a few shillings. But not that they ever got it right or confessed it. But there I was and I, I came back from the hospital after having heard from a specialist that my daughter was likely to be a vegetable for the rest of his uh, life. And I was upset. Now, how many in those circumstances will get upset? Well, I got upset. All right, I was upset. Now, that's normal, isn't it? See, I'm flesh and blood. Whatever you thought. I bleed like anyone else. And I was really upset. And I walk out with this so-called pastor. And I walk outside into the garden with him. And he turns round to me and the words of comfort that issued from his mouth were, well, you want to thank God you're not like Job, all his family died. And I tell you, that was a pastor. God deliver us from such heathen men. And that was what Job had. He had people that would come to him and tell him, it serves you right. You've got your just desserts. Just what you needed. This is God's chastening hand. You thought you were righteous. God blessed you. God did this. Now you're really shown in your true colors. See? And that's the devil. The devil tries to bring us down by telling us we deserve what we get everything look in chapter 4 verse 7 here's poor Job <laughs> sick here's poor Job having lost his family his kids and here's a comfort to come to talk to him remember I pray thee Whoever perished being innocent? Or where were the righteous cut off? Uh, Job, tell me, can you ever remember any person who was innocent ever getting something happened to them? Uh, Job, uh, when were the innocent ever cut off? Or the righteous cut off? It's your fault fellow, you've stepped over the mark somewhere. God said, Job's a righteous man, upright in all his ways. The devil's servants say, 
you got what you deserve. Have you ever noticed that come to your heart and life? Hmm? The thoughts come to you and the devil suggests to you, oh no, these things happen because God's angry. No, they just happen and Job was perfectly innocent. Now natural reason tells you he wasn't innocent, it must have been something he'd done, but the truth is God says no, he's righteous in all his ways. He's upright in all his ways. Consider my, perf my servant Job, he's perfect. Now God's saying that to the devil. He's throwing it in the teeth of the devil. And so the devil sends people to try and convince Job that he isn't what he knew he was. I just want to compare what God says and man says. It's interesting, isn't it? Hmm? And that's exactly what he does in your mind, too. And in your heart. The battleground's you. He's fighting over you. He's trying to convince you. And some of you are that bad, you don't need much convincing. But it's nothing to do with it. You see, if my righteousness is what I did, and my, my whole acceptance of God was the way I lived, then basically my salvation would be a work. It would be like the Catholics. As long as I do this, this and this, I'm going to be all right and God's going to bless me. And if anything goes wrong, then I must have stepped out of the way somewhere. I better find out where it was I stepped out of the way. But you get sick because you get sick. Time and chance happeneth to every man. You might walk out in front of a car because you weren't watching where you were going. Now the car is hard. And if it's going quick, you'll get dented. And if you're overweight, so will the car. But the... You know, it doesn't mean that for some reason there's some great judgment of God. It just means that you should have watched where you were going, dummy. There's no great message from on high. But I'll tell you what, when you get to the curb next time, you'll look left and right, won't you? Hmm? Well, won't you? And you see, sometimes there's lessons, and, and fear is a natural protection. People lose fear. But let me tell you, it's not some great judgment of God that's befallen you. It's just something happens. When you get up in the morning, and you go and plug the kettle in, and you turn it on, and the fuse blows. God's not angry with you. So you can't have a cup of tea this morning. It, it's just the fuse blew. Something went wrong. And, and yet, because of the way we've been taught for years, We've got this great idea that if someone has a disaster in their lives, it's because they deserve it. True, isn't it? Hmm? You really hope for something and it all goes wrong. See, that's superstition. It's not Christianity. Job could turn around at the end of all these things and all these helpful suitors coming along to make him miserable and he could say, though he slay me, yet will I bless him. I'm not going to curse God and die. I don't care. I love him no matter what happens in my life. And what he was doing, he was making sure that in eternity the devil could never say and charge and throw in God's teeth that people only love God for what they could get out of it. Now that's 
the worshippers of the devil and the devil wanted to say the only reason people will ever follow you God is for the blessings and the benefits and God wanted to show the devil for all eternity that that wouldn't be true and he knew there was one upright man in all the earth he could trust with that mission and his name was Job and he says you do anything to Job and I know in the integrity of his heart he's still going to bless me he's not going to get bitter he's not going to get twisted he's not going to turn around and get angry with me and he's not going to do anything he loves me and he loves me because he loves me for my nature and the way I am he doesn't love me because of the benefits the blessings, the protection the healing hand, the prosperity he loves me just because he loves me and God wanted to show the devil and he wanted to show all of us that we can have a loving heart in adversity we can have a loving heart going through all darkness and blackness and difficulties and it's nothing to do with blessing and he wants to show the devil that the great wisdom of God is that it's obedience from a loving heart in spite of everything the great wisdom of God is that it's obedience from a loving heart in spite of everything don't ever come to God thinking you'll get blessed alone sooner or, sooner or later he's going to cause the devil to know that you're going to love him whatever happens he'll wait till you get to the place where you're upright and where you're perfect and where things have gone and then he'll say right now he's ready for the testing until then he's going to put a hedge around you and he won't let the devil near you till he's got your heart dealt with but when he has he's going to say right now off you go boy and the devil will come down with all his thunder and his venom and he'll send all sorts of things and all sorts of people and he'll try and get you to curse God but you won't because there's a God who's done something in your heart that you're loving whatever he does and that is the true Christian spirit and you see the devil wanted to say that doesn't exist and in a lot of people it doesn't exist I remember that time when I was at that place where my daughter was ill and everything had gone wrong I, they couldn't find out what was wrong with my wife she'd slowed down to zero we couldn't figure out what it was she could hardly walk from the bedroom to the kitchen and it wasn't far but she just hadn't got the energy it would take her two hours to dress the kids and no one knew what the problem was and we didn't know uh, she got myxedema and the devil tried everything but one thing I knew one thing I knew right through it all was those God who loved me who was faithful and I didn't know how he was going to get me through it and I didn't know how it was going to work out but I knew God and I knew the God of love wasn't going to let it all fall down I didn't know how he was going to answer it but I knew I would get an answer from heaven and I knew it would work out for good and he would take the evil circumstances the devil had wrought and all the things he brought into my life and he would cause good to come out of it that I knew because he loved me that's the God I knew God had worked sufficiently in my heart to bring me to that place where I wouldn't go against him. And every individual has to come to that place and that testing before they can stand up and say, I know. 
And it's a wonderful price to pay. That's why Paul wrote, and he said, we have to know how to be in want and how to abound. We've got to know both sides of the coin. And anyone who goes into ministry, before he could ever qualify for ministry, he's got to know how to go with a sweet spirit through the trials and the fiery furnace. And if he can't do that, he's unqualified. And thank God he's given us a spirit that will take us through. It's the spirit of Christ. Because you won't get through on your own. That's for sure. Your spirit will fail, but he's our righteousness. Amen? We'll all fall down, but he won't. We'd all fail the test, but he never does. And his spirit keeps us. Amen? They are walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I will not fear, for thou art with me. And there's always that. Just look in this 33... Uh, verse 8 two more scriptures this is old Elihu speaking surely thou hast spoken in mine hearing and I have heard the voice of thy word saying I am clean without transgression I am innocent neither is there any iniquity in me behold he findeth occasions against me he counteth me for his enemy he putteth my feet in the stocks he marketh all my paths behold in this thou art not just I will answer thee that God is greater than man why dost thou strive against him for he giveth not account of any of his matters you know what he's saying is look here I know you can answer against God You'll find in verse, chapter 34, verse 7. What, is man, what man is like Job, who drinketh up scorning like water, which goeth in company with the workers of iniquity, and walketh with wicked men? For he hath said, it, is, it profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself with God. He never said that. But you see, what, what they couldn't stand was Job's righteousness and at last they got an opportunity to pull Job down to their rank. Pull him down with them. That's man's nature when it's inspired by the devil. God says, I'm not like that at all. My heart's out of love. I reach out, but you're a battleground and you're going to go through a fiery trials and Paul writes and he says, don't think it's strange the fiery trial that's going to befall you. You're going to have to go through trials. But I want you to know this, that when you go through them, there's going to be one at your side and in the fiery furnace and in the hardest times, when three are thrown in, there'll always be a fourth man there. His name is Jesus. No matter what happens, there's going to be a loving God at your side who's going to see you through. And it's not God that's throwing you in the furnace. It's a Nebuchadnezzar. It's a devil. But God is going to show that you're going to walk straight through that furnace and you're coming out and you're not even going to be singed by it. 
and there won't even be the smell of it upon you. You're going to go through trials of life and God's going to take you through it. And if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil because God's going to be with you. His staff and his rod are going to comfort you and the devil's going to do his darndest to make you curse God and believe he's a monster. But know this, God is a loving God who's going to be faithful in every trial, in every tribulation, who's going to keep you, who's going to cause you to triumph, who's going to cause you to be an overcomer, and who's going to cause you to delight yourself in him. That's our God. Amen? And you're going to have a hundred Eliezer's, and you're going to have a hundred Elihu's, and you're going to have a hundred Bildad's, and you're going to have hundreds of people telling you, ah, see, you thought you were. Look what God's doing to you. This is God's will for you. This is what you deserve, see? And it's the devil doing it. And it's the devil using people to do it. And it's the devil bringing all his hatred against you. But know in the midst of it all, you've got a God who loves you. And it hasn't happened to you because you're unrighteous. Because if it was calamity only in unrighteousness, why did Jesus ever end up on the cross? Because it was the devil that caused the minions to come. And it was the devil who had the bulls of Bashan charging against him. And it was a devil who worked against him. It was a predeterminate counsel of God that Jesus should suffer. But I tell you this, it was a devil that stole his life and tried to take his soul down into hell. And he couldn't because it was unlawful. That's the reason you and I can come out of hell and into life. Because the devil broke the law of God. Only men that sin could die. And that the devil tried to take Jesus' soul into hell and Jesus had the right to lead captivity captive because the devil had broken the principles of God. And he always tries to break the principles of God. He tries to destroy the righteous. And God won't let him do it. We've got a saviour. His name is Jesus. But you're going to go through the trial anyway. God wants to show the world and he wants to show the devil that you don't love God for what you can get out of him. You love him for what he's done and for who he is. He's a loving Heavenly Father. You don't love him just because he blesses you. You love him because he's a merciful God who washed you from your sins, who cleansed you from your iniquity, who laid down his life for you and you say, Lord, you laid down your life for me I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to follow you. And though you slay me, I'm still going to love you. The truth was it was the devil who was trying to kill Job, not God. It was God who stopped the devil killing Job. He said, you can't touch his life. God was sovereign in it all. He always is. He could have stopped the devil at any moment, but he wouldn't. Because he wanted all creation to know and he wanted you to know that you can live through all adversity with a heart of integrity that's right towards God. And instead of being superstitious and saying when there's blessing, God's good and when there's difficulty, God's bad, you come to the place where you know that God is good and God is faithful and God is true, whatever happens. Though he slay me, he 
will I bless it. Amen? It's interesting, isn't it? Many things that were said against Job by those men. And yet God says, he's righteous, he's upright. Don't ever think that God looks on you as anything else than righteous. Because the blood of Christ cleanses you. Because Jesus paid the price for your sin, you don't carry it. And the calamities that happen in your life are sometimes it's the enemy's machinations and it's the enemy's hatred against you. Sometimes it's circumstances that just would happen anyway. Illness sometimes is just the cause of, of things breaking down in your body, some chemical imbalance, some natural imbalance, some old injury, something happens and your body breaks down doesn't mean God's angry with you or God's judging you but let me tell you there is someone who's life quickening who will heal you the devil will take advantage if he can of some ailment in you to bring affliction on your body if he can but then we've got Jesus who's a deliverer who delivers our souls from death amen and he'll heal he'll deliver and he's on our side. And there's a war going on. And the war is over between God and the devil. The devil's saying, are these people serving God for naught? And God's saying, behold my servants whom I love. They love me because of what I've done for them and for who I am. And the devil says, no, they'll only love you if you bless them, you profit them, you prosper them. God says, no, they'll love me because I am. The devil says, no, they love you because they're frightened. They do what you say because they're frightened. God says, no, they'll do what I say because they love me. And then the war rages in the spirit realm. The devil trying to prove that you will only obey out of fear. God showing manifestly that you obey out of love. So that for all eternity the devil can never come to an angel and say, See, they only serve God for the benefits. They'll all know in that day in that great day before the throne that you served God because you loved him not for what you could get out of him the great ploy of the devil that's why the prosperity doctrine that's going around the nations is so evil it's why the doctrines that are uh, uh, propounded about everyone instantly getting healed are so evil because what it's saying is these are all benefits God's just going to bless you and bless you and abundantly bless you and there's going to be no trouble that's evil because then people become superstitious and if anything goes wrong they say well it's God's doing this to me or that to me because of this or that it's not it's just time and chance happening at all sickness will happen but there's a Lord who will heal problems will happen but there's a God who loves you 
tragedy will strike but there's a God who will walk through the fiery furnace with you isn't that wonderful do you know when the trials come it's because he trusts you with them he said to the devil he considered that person the devil says, ah, he only serves you for the benefits. God says, you can't touch his life, but you can try him. You see. What wonderful trust God has in you. Hmm? it is to make people understand what wonder and love there is in you Lord how hard it is to let people understand it's not their fault but it'll be their fight there are trials to go through there are difficulties there are problems but in the fiery furnace there's always the fourth one his name is Jesus in the trial of the night there's the one who loves who would enfold us and tell us it's all right. In the perplexities of our spirit, in the fears that would mount up in our minds, there's one who would say, it's all right. Lord, you test us and you try us. And the trial of our faith is much more precious than fine gold in your sight. Because we can say, oh God, we don't understand it. Though you slay me, yet I'll trust you. Though you cast me down, yet shall I trust thee, O King. For I know you're the God of love. I've had a vision of your great grace and love. Of the wonderful thing you did on Calvary's tree. In pouring out your life for me. I haven't come to you for the benefits. Nor for the blessing. I've come to you Lord because I know you love me. And I want to return that love to you. Lord, 
How often my mind has gone wrong. My ideas have gone wrong. My thoughts have been wrong. How often I've condemned myself and wondered when disaster strikes. What is it you're doing? But, oh Lord, I want my heart to rise in faith to thee and say, oh God, take superstition away. Take that servile fear out of my heart and life forever. Don't let me ever be one who only comes to say you're good in the good times. But let me see thou art good always. Whatever your hand prepares is best. Lord, take the veil away from eyes this night and from hearts this night that they might understand and see how cruel the serpent is, how subtle his lies but light manifests darkness we see his lies for what they are we see his accusations for what they are they're not true you do love us you are merciful you're not angry you're not against us you're not cursing us, for we're yours, and we belong to you. Oh, Master, Master, give a vision this night to each heart of the wonder of your love. Let us see that the trials have been just a way to prove we'd love you anyway. And the integrity of our heart is to say, God, whatever you do, I'll submit to it. I'll receive from the hand of the one that loves me whatever life sends. I know that in every trial there's a way of escape. I know in everything there's a way through that I might overcome. That I might be found in you, my rock, my hiding place, my keeper. Oh Lord, Lord, tear down the barriers in people's minds this night. Let there come a great breaking inside. Lord, there's something you've wanted to open up deep in people's hearts. You've wanted to open up their minds to see and perceive. Master, and for those whose minds have become closed by the enemy's trick, Let your light and your word work upon them. Work within and show them. 
Lord, forgive us for ever questioning you. There are no reasons needed. We're only called to follow. You never explained it. We've no right to ask an explanation. We don't know why. We do just know we must go. We must follow. Oh, Father. I know for some of you, it's a hard word. But God wants to open your life this night and open your mind. He's not angry like you believe. He's not severe. He loves you. He never set out to destroy, but to save, to show you it's all right. He loves you. Could you receive that from him tonight? The cup you've had to drink, the trials you've gone through, the enemy assaulted your mind and your heart, and you felt somehow it was God. No, God was fighting on your side. You're a battleground between good and evil. It's for you. He's going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. There's going to be an overcoming. And you'll be numbered amongst the overcomers. Because he's going to do it. Does faith rise in your heart tonight? Say, Lord, that's the way it really is. Really is that way. I believed it was another way. But that's the way it really was all the time. I know the Holy Ghost is here. I know he wants to do something special in certain lives. Not many lives. Just a handful. I know he's spoken in a special way to some. And I know you know. Others have sat by and haven't understood. But for you it's been as though explanations have suddenly poured in. Reasons and comprehension has suddenly become plain. And somehow you know that he really does love you. But what you thought was going on wasn't true. 
You said it was God when it was the devil. And you haven't realized there was a battle going on for you. Let me ask you tonight, would you come and stand on the Lord's side? Would you come and say, God, that's the way it is? I see it now. I was so foolish to think it was some other way. My reasonings and my mind told me it was different. I was full of superstition, really. I don't want that anymore. I want to leave that behind. Lord, I'll go through the waters, knowing they won't overflow me. Through the fire, knowing it's not going to set on me. Because you're going to be with me. As the Holy Ghost brought you to that place, are you prepared to trust him with everything? Whatever it costs, whatever it means, I'm going to believe you, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Can you say that out of a true heart? I know there's some that can. It's a covenant between the living God and you. You need to declare it. You need to declare your place. But let me tell you, it's not a natural thing. This is a spiritual thing I'm asking. Not something you can reason. It's something only faith and God can give. That's the light that's come to your heart. I want you to come. Just stand at the front here. I want to stand with you. Don't worry about anyone else. It's nothing to do with them. Don't anyone come unless God the Holy Ghost has done it. But don't hold back through fear. You know it's God and he's put something deep in your heart. There's only going to be a handful. But those who come, there's going to be life and liberty born this night in you because the Holy Ghost is doing something very special. You haven't understood the reasons. Now God's told you them. 